All right, all right, here we are yet again with another episode of English and Coffee. It's your wonderful host, Demion. And before we begin, I'll go ahead and say excuse any sound that you hear in the background. I'm in a heavily populated area. Got some noisy people that uh, keep pulling up next to me, but just in case we get drowned out by some of the background noise, I want to go ahead and put that out there. But either way, we're here to record another episode of English and Coffee. I believe we're around episode 193, so we've been on it for a minute. We've been pumping out the English, drinking the coffee. So that's at least minimum 100-something cups of coffee that we've had, 190-something cups, because we always have a fresh cup. Well, I know on this end, I always have a fresh cup, but we always have a cup of coffee every time we hit record. Today, we're going to talk about a recent idea I came to um, when I was watching, well, just finished up Queen of the South. It was a series that was on Netflix. Maybe you watch it. Maybe you're familiar with it. If you haven't watched it and you like the whole narco, you know, cartel, drug dealing, build a drug empire story from rags to riches, definitely worth a watch. Uh, but I always take a lesson from everything I consume. So I would like to share what I came to what kind of conclusion kind of summary I added to the bag of tricks in my life so let's go ahead and take the customary sip sipping on another caramel seems to be my flavor not flavor of the month but flavor of the, the year so far caramel I haven't found anything to top it just yet and what I find is that, that you know they put all that caramel extract at the bottom right so you have to mix it up but if they don't put enough that it doesn't disperse all the way evenly through the coffee. So if you end up drinking all the caramel before you consume the coffee, you end up having maybe 10, 15 sips of caramel, and then the rest is just going to be regular coffee. But it's all good. We're not complaining. It's another humid night. We have a cool cup of coffee. Let's get into it. So what kind of weather are you all dealing with over there? Like I said, right now it's humid. The sky's pitch black, but it's light outside, which is strange. So normally with that, you have a thunderstorm or something brewing on the way. I know there was a tropical storm system moving through here recently. We had a bout of rain. You heard it in the last podcast, and that stayed with us about, I don't know, three, four days. So we had a couple of strong bands just blow through the area. Pour through, try to wash some of that evil and toxicity in the world away. But here we are. We're good. Dry for now talking about Queen of the South. So I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't watched it. But basically, it's a show where a woman who's living her life, you know, seemingly doing her thing, making the best that she can do, making ends meet with the best situation that she has. She encounters a group of people that introduce her to a world that she would have never thought possible. And even more, would have never thought that she could excel in such a world. And throughout this journey, she is guided by herself, her future self, the person that she wants to become or needs to become in order to survive and thrive in such a negative, strong, dangerous environment. So I look at that, I say, uh, we are all in some type of environment. We are all facing some type of adversity. We are all striving to become the best version of ourselves, right? And sometimes we're making these monumental moments that just seem like they should be captured on a film. You know, a director should be saying, cut, that was perfect. 
you know, or asking us to do a redo. But in life, real life, there are no redos. And you're going to be experiencing months, maybe years, between those pivotal moments when the character development begins. You know, the character might start off in a film or a show, just showing how all these are connected. Just showing how something may start off, you know, pretty much normal. Kid goes to school, he eats, he does all his homework, does everything. You may do everything right. And then all of a sudden, one day you're just faced with, you know, an eviction. You're faced with being fired from your job. Maybe you get attacked on the subway. Maybe some violence happens at home, right? And at that moment, things change for you, right? You become a different person. Your mind starts to operate differently. You start to think different things, have different thoughts, different feelings, different urges, start to learn new coping mechanisms. Before, maybe you just cried in your room anytime something would bother you. And now you lash out. You just beat the living heck out of anything that threatens you, causes you to feel fear, disappointment, anxiety, any of those negative emotions you want to avoid. So we all have these moments, right? Just these pivotal moments where everything changes. How we used to look at life is no longer the same. There's no way we continue to look at life in one way after experiencing something else. That may be a, um, a mother, you know, an expecting mother. She's pregnant with her first baby. Everything's going great. Seven months in, maybe she has some kind of complication in a car accident. She loses the baby, right? Sad but true. It does happen. She loses the baby, right? Now she's distraught. She has never felt this level of despair, right? She's anticipated something for seven months only to have it snatched away by a drunk driver that is plowed into her car. Now she hates drunk drivers. Now she hates alcohol. And before she may have had an active social life before she got pregnant. Of course, she put the bottle down before, you know, once she found out that she was pregnant. But she may have been an active participant in drinking and driving. And now, after experiencing that, after experiencing that loss, she hates drunk drivers. And she is out there on a crusade, burning a torch, burning down any drunk driver in the road. See, these moments, they shape us, right? We don't know we're going to become that person, but these moments, they shape us. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Might be somebody who's already a violent person. They have a violent nature. And then they end up killing someone that they love, you know, somebody close to them, you know, a family member. And they're like, man, I let my rage, my anger get so out of control that I actually hurt somebody I like. I can no longer live like that. So that means instead of solving their problems with violence, now they try to solve them with peace. You know, they wouldn't even kill a fly. They don't even kill a roach. They wouldn't kick a rat. They wouldn't do anything to hurt another living soul because of something that happened. One of those pivotal moments. Now, all this ties into the fact that in watching Queen of the South, like when I watched, uh, well, currently I'm watching The Walking Dead, but like when I watched uh, Z Nation and just different series, you sit there for months and you watch a show. You get so invested. You spend hundreds of hours, you know, hours upon hours watching season one, episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Each episode is going to be about an hour. And if it's got 12 episodes in a season, that's 12 hours. And it's five seasons, that's 60 hours. You have spent wasted time of your life, not living, but enjoying it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. But 60 hours you've given to this this show, invested in these characters, watching them live their life moment to moment, action moments, of course. But if you notice, they have those lulls. Then they have that climax, that little crescendo. Then they bring it back down. Then they bring some more action into it. But here's the thing with a show like that. 
it's up there for the world to see. It's been perfected. It's been written. You have directors and all that stuff. But in your life, if they were to put a camera on you, would anybody watch the show? Right? If the show was called Juan, you know, or show was called Candy or Jorge or whatever, whatever your name is. If somebody was to turn the camera on you and say, we're going to record 12 episodes of your show. We're going to watch you. Would anybody watch the show? Right? You put all the backing music, you know, you wake up, you brush your teeth, do your morning routine, you go to your little job, or you sit down with the kids, or you go out in the garden, go see your grandma, do whatever you do, whatever's going on in your life, right? And you're going to find that it's not going to be as interesting as what you see on TV. Because it's not just going to be highlight reel after highlight reel. You know, there's no fire escape chase, you sliding down you know, running from a murderer and then go talking to the cops and then come back and kill the murderer. And it just doesn't happen like that in real life every day, all the time. There are going to be those moments. There are going to be those moments when it's just dull. Nothing going on. Everything's great. You know, like they say, no news is good news sometimes. There's going to be those moments when life is just going along, right? And you're just chugging along. Your car works. You started in. There's, there's no adversity. There's no problems. There's no pain. Everything's great. The girl had the baby. You know, you're eating good, money's coming in, checks, windfalls, maybe you win the lottery, everything's going great. Nobody wants to hear or watch a show where everything's just great, happy-go-lucky. You got to have a little pain, you got to have a little controversy, you got to have a little adversity. So why in life, when that happens to you or to us, do we get upset? Why do we get upset when those moments for character development, those moments for us to go to the next level appear? Why do we try to reject them. You know, that pain, we avoid the pain, but when you sit down and watch a show, you want to see the pain. You want to see the pain. You want to see that character growth. You want to see the person come in, shoot five of his buddies, right? The, the little gangster, five of his buddies get shot, and then he becomes, you know, a razor sharp killer or a boxer in the prison. He's knocking people out. That anger, that rage, you love it. You're cheering him on. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get them all, get them all, right? But when it happens to you, you curl up. Right? You don't want no part of it. Oh, life is hard. Why is everybody attacking me? Why is everything happening to me? But when you watch it happen in someone else's life, you're like, yeah, get in there. Why is he so weak? Why didn't she do that? She needs to tell her husband that blah, 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 right? You notice the difference. But when it happens to you in your life or people, people that you're close to, you reject it. You shun it. Why do we do that? opportunity for us to grow and go to the next level is all around you know like these people out here on the streets that are homeless you sit there and watch them sitting there with the little cardboard box it's raining and he's sitting there yeah it's building character but it doesn't feel like that in real life does it but that's what's happening he's building character now he could sit there and be homeless and live on skid row for the next 13 years or he could take those bad hardships that he experienced on skid row and then become a multi-millionaire you know from the ground up literally from nothing, start from nothing, and then own one of those skyscrapers that he walks past every day. Some people do that. Not everybody just stays on the street, you know? But see, that's the thing, you know, in our cycle of evolution, as we grow to become our best selves, we can sometimes get stuck, you know, somewhere between the third and fourth floor. Somewhere between the third and fourth floor. Let's just say your building was designed to go 10 floors, and you're sitting here, 30 years old, 20 years old, between the third and fourth floor. Now, 
it's up to you if you make it to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth floor, or even get on the rooftop of your own building. Of course, you've been in the basement because that's where you started, but you're on the third and fourth floor. Now, how long are you going to be there? What if you've been there for six, seven years? There's a reason. The only way to get to the next floor is you have to go to the next level. You can't do what you've been doing to get to the third floor to make it to the sixth floor. Because it's twice the distance. You have to double your distance in a shorter amount of time. So if it took you 20 years to get from the basement to the third floor, you could anticipate it take another 20 years to get to the, to the sixth floor. But you don't have that kind of time. You're not as young as you once were. You're not as strong as you once were, right? So you're going to have to double time it. That means you're going to have to think smarter. You don't have as much time on your side. So if you have this big, huge time window, yeah, you could take your time and blah, blah, blah. But once, once you get to that, that point where you really need to put some work into it, you're going to have to switch over and use your brain. You're going to have to start thinking how to do things differently, just like with your journey in English. You know, I know a lot of people probably say, well, dang, we're, we're not even talking about language, but we are talking about language because one, we're using English to describe what we're talking about, to discuss it, to go deep into the weeds. But the other thing is that maybe the third and fourth floor is English for you, right? And then after English, then you get the promotion or after English, then you learn French, after English, then you learn Swahili, right? And then you meet this woman or you meet this guy and then it opens this door. But until you get through this floor that you're stuck between or stuck on, you're never going to get to the next chapter. That's just like watching the best show in the world and they're on season three, right? And I mean, they're not going to show somebody in there learning English for six, seven years. Nobody's going to be in there studying English for seven years in a show. Who is going to watch that? You wouldn't even watch that. I wouldn't watch that. Nobody's even going to record. Who's going to watch a show where the main character, the hero, is learning English for six years? Nobody. So it's an insignificant part in the grand scheme of things. The learning English is a tool. It's an arsenal. You know, something to add to your arsenal. You put it on your belt like Batman. He has English, Spanish, uh, Mandarin, all these things on his belt, right? He's not just a one-trick pony. Now, you could be a one-trick pony if that's what you want to be, but if you want to go to the next level, you got to have multiple tools. So maybe you've got three years in English, right? And it's sufficient. You can you can function in it. You can go, look, look at all the countries these characters go to in the movies. Belize, you know, they're over here in, in, in Mexico. They're over here in Italy. They're over here in uh, Australia, you know, Austria, you know, Ireland, speaking all these different languages, right? In a movie, in an hour and a half, this person has spoke seven different languages, right? And we're sitting here, stuck on the third floor, still trying to put together a, a preposition or use a preposition correctly in a sentence, right? I mean, <laughs> you got to put things in perspective sometimes. You got to say, okay, now how could I do this and still excel at other things? Like life doesn't just stop at this moment. So you're going to have to put it in your tool belt. You're going to have to start using the English to build it up like a muscle. So you have multiple skills, multiple things happening at the same time, multiple things that you're trying to improve all at the same time. So you have to work on them all at the same time, but they don't have to be all consuming, but they do consume your time, right? So that means you're going to have to use these things every day. If you want to lose weight, let's say you want to lose weight, you want to learn English, 
and you want to improve your coding skills on the computer, how can you do all this at the same time and not lose your mind in the process? Well, if your coding books are in English, right? You got English and computer language, which is a whole nother thing. But if your coding books are in English, the tutorials and the materials you consume to learn how to code are in English, right? You can listen to these coding podcasts and tutorials, right, on YouTube while you exercise on your little bike or on your jog, right? And then when you come back and you code, because that's what you spend the bulk of your time doing, you're implementing these skills. So you're taking the information that you consumed in English, right, during your run while you were losing weight, right? And putting them all into this project that you're working on. Let's say this project takes you nine months to complete. So you've developed an application or a website or whatever from zero to something that you could actually sell that is profitable or functional after nine months, but the whole time you've been using English to consume your materials, you've been using English to entertain yourself while you're on your run, right? While you're on your run thinking of coding hacks and solutions in English, right? And combining the computer language. It could get very technical depending on what you're studying, what you're into, how many skills you're working on at one time, right? But if you do a little bit every day, if you use utilize them every day, then it's not like you have to just stop and do it. You know, I don't know how many times people say, well, I've got to study English today. Today, do you plan on speaking English tomorrow, like just one day? Or is it something you're going to utilize? You know, coders don't just code one thing like this is just that's just their world. They're in there. They're trying to understand how things work. They're breaking things down. Mechanics don't just fix one car. Like, I'm going to fix my granddad's truck and call myself a mechanic, and that's it. You know, anytime my granddad's truck breaks down, you know, I'm, I'm going to fix that. No, mechanics actually enjoy the process of breaking something down, identifying a problem, coming up with a solution, right? Getting there, tinkering around, exploring how things work, right? And then they use that on the next car, the next car, and the next car. That's why an experienced mechanic, they're not pulling out a manual, you know, to fix your car. They're going through their little assessment, their little diagnostic process. They're diagnosing the problems in your vehicle based on experience. When somebody comes to you at work with a problem, they say, hey, Jim, Jim didn't get those reports done. And we need them by nine o'clock in the morning. How are we going to get this done? You've encountered this situation a hundred times before. You say, hold on. He always keeps a backup file. We'll go ahead and take the file. We'll send it to Martha, who's proficient in this, and she'll go ahead and put presentation together in 30 minutes because that's where her skill set is, and then the meeting saved, right? Cool heads prevail. But this is something that you've seen hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times. So that's where you build on that experience. So all this ties into the fact that if your life was a show, right, a queen of the South, a Z Nation, Game of Thrones, who's going to watch it? Right? Who's directing this show? In this case, it's you that directs it. It's you that's the main character in it. And who's the, uh, you got the protagonist and the antagonist. So you're both the hero and the villain in your own show. The hero and the villain in your own show. One part of you is working for yourself and the other part is working against you. Who are you going to let win in your show? Is it going to be the protagonist or the antagonist? Right? The hero or the villain? Who's going to win in your movie? Right? Who are you going to cheer on in your own movie, which is your life? Are you going to make it to the end of your own movie, right? Or you're going to get pulled into the alley and stabbed up by one of your villain's little henchmen, right? 
Are you going to write your villain so strong in this movie that that you're going to take yourself out? You know, these are decisions you got to make as the director of your own film, your own life. Well, I see some people moving in the background here. They get ready to come over here by the car and get very loud. So I'm going to take this sip. And I want you to think about it. I just want you to take this idea and think about it. Do you want to be the hero, the villain, or the victim in the movie of your life, in the show of your life, in the serial episode, whatever you want to call it, the season finale, the grand finale, the show, when it's all said and done and the credits roll, what will they say? They say, dang, that was an awesome show. And they say, dang, he really should have tried just a little more, he could have got the girl. Or dang, she should have tried a little more, she could have started the business, she could have built the empire, she could have took it all, right? It's something to think about. I enjoyed it, as always. Let's take this sip on the way out. Remember, transcripts can be found at www.englishandcoffee.org. Go to Espresso, click the button, get you some transcripts, support the um, podcast, and also have something to read while you listen to this good content, this original content that we come up with as we consume our coffee. I'll see you in the next one.